Hello, and welcome to Cannabis for the Rest of Us. I started this podcast as a way to learn about cannabis and then share this knowledge with other adults who are curious about it. We've all heard of indica, sativa, and hybrids when talking about how a particular strain may affect you. But there's another key ingredient called terpenes. They are found in all plants and provide the plant's aroma, its characteristics, and how our bodies react when consuming them. Essentially, it's why putting lavender oil in your tea before bedtime affects you differently than squeezing a lime into your water. For the next few episodes, we're exploring the role that terpenes play in medicinal cannabis. I'm very pleased that my next guest, Wesley Robbins, sat down to talk to me about terpenes. Wesley works at the Cannabis Works Dispensary in Santa Ana, California. His title is Interpreter, which means he helps patients, customers, and Cannabis Works staff better understand how terpenes affect cannabis strains. Wes, how would you describe terpenes to someone that knows nothing about them? I would say go out into a field, pick some flowers, enjoy some tea, um, smell the crisp mountain air, and all of that is going to be terpenes. It's just, it's not something that we think to give a name because it's so pervasive in our everyday life. Any smells, aromas, and whatnot, they're indicative of chemical compounds or terpenes. And so when you smell a rose, that is rose essential oil or the rose terpene coming through. So I want to learn a little bit about your path um, and and how you learned about terpenes, Wes. I mean, are there formal educational opportunities out there now? Or did you just print a certificate from Terpene University and hang it on your wall? There are plenty of formal educational opportunities. My personal path with terpenes that I've uh, come across is two specific certification courses. And the first one that I went through was the healer course with Dr. Dustin Sulak. He focused a lot more on product knowledge, dosing requirements, and when to recommend certain things while touching briefly on terpenes, but the the real one that delved deep into it was the Tricome Institute. And oh, in that, Colorado. Exactly. Yeah, okay. They have essentially set up more quality control attributes when it comes to evaluating the aromas of a certain flower and kind of the, the general structure of it as well. So tell me a little bit about that course. How long did that take? Are there different... Uh, degrees or certificate programs within um, the Tricome Institute's offerings? Yeah, there are uh, multiple different levels. My experience with the level one interpreter course was that it was essentially six to seven hours of video lectures. And at the end of it, you take a 80 some odd question test to essentially evaluate the knowledge that you picked up and whether or not you can apply that to everyday life or um, interpreting in general. So within that educational course, are you literally training your nose on how to detect terpenes, kind of like a sommelier does with wine? Is there any correlation there? There is a huge overlap with wine sommeliers and interpreters or cannabis sommeliers. Terpenes are also something that is really well known in the wine industry and they typically with a sommelier they're essentially pairing whatever uh, flavor it is to a different food or to their uh, customer's preference within the cannabis community for years 
we've been describing the effects of a particular strain, whether it's a sativa, an indica, or a hybrid. Um, is this really accurate? Or should we be thinking about a new way to categorize this with terpenes playing a more prominent role in the description of what you are purchasing? This topic alone, I feel like we could spend hours discussing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a half hour show, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But um, in in the real sense, indica, hybrid, and sativa, that's a very short and concise way of finding out exactly what a customer is looking for in the experience, whether they want something that's more uplifting or sedating. But as of right now, terpenes still definitely do play a role um, when someone's essentially picking out a certain strain or chemovar of flower. And that that's kind of shown, especially when they, they want to smell a flower before they purchase it, or they want to kind of inspect the, the structure of the buds themselves. So both... Uh you can learn about the terpenes by a visual inspection as well, in, in addition to the sense of smell or the aroma? Sort of. Okay. Based off of bud structure, you can determine whether the flower is going to have more uplifting effects if it's a little bit more sparse in the internodal spacing and the, the calyxes and whatnot, or if it's super dense and round, that's going to be more indicative of a heavily sedating chemovar. Tell me about your position here at Cannabis Works. Do you consider yourself to be an educator? Absolutely. If, if I'm able to pass along product knowledge from things that I've learned from staff meetings, uh, meeting with different vendors, and if I can transfer that information to the everyday consumer, if they're interested in that information, then in reality that creates a community that's pushing for higher standards on products terpene testing and knowing exactly what you get. Do patients that come in seem to have a general knowledge of terpenes, no knowledge, or is there a is there a scale within that based on your on your patient base? But do people are people beginning to understand this? People definitely are starting to look into these volatile and therapeutic compounds a lot more. I would say at Cannabis Works specifically, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the customers are a little more knowledgeable on what terpenes and uh, THC and CBD ratios are found in specific products because we uh, essentially place informational material throughout the shop to kind of help garner questions, curiosity, and create an environment that's uh, comfortable for them to do so. So we've reached the part of the show that I like to call, name that terpene. So actually, I'm just making that up because we've never done it before, but I wanted to. So what are your favorite or main terpenes that you would talk about in connection to cannabis for a patient coming into the uh, into Cannabis Works? So there's about six main ones, um, the most common ones found in the cannabis plant. That would be limonene, pinene, myrcene, beta-caryophyllene, linalool and terpinaline. There are, however, 200 plus unique terpenes, or not unique, I should say, terpenes found in the cannabis plant and over 20,000 in uh, nature in general. So I would highly recommend if there's a specific terpene or a plant that you have a, an affinity for, 
research that terpene, do a little background um, research, and one of the more rare terpenes that isn't commonly found may be the one that works well for you. So do you think that there's some experimentation required if a patient is looking for a certain thing and they're, they're moving beyond just the indica sativa hybrid classification, they're starting to research terpenes a little bit. I, am I hearing you correctly that that's a good idea for them to start looking into a particular terpene that may be more prevalent in a strain? Absolutely. I always recommend looking into specific terpenes and seeing kind of where they fall on the spectrum, whether they're going to be more sedating or more relaxing. And if you do have the opportunity to smell a couple different terpenes right next to each other, that will give you a baseline idea of which ones you may prefer over others. And you can essentially look for specific strains that contain those terpenes. Is there some consistency there? In other words, if you're smelling a strain that has a little bit more pinene, a little more piney smell or earthy smell versus a more fruity smell, when you're smelling those things, can you can the consumer, can the patient basically know what those effects are going to be based on that terpene aroma? Is it consistent? Not always. Okay. It, it is a very much an individualized experience. So someone that may have um, ADD or more uh, hyperactive qualities mm -hmm. to themselves, you'd think an indica would work for them, but it's the same thing with like Adderall or some of the other ADD medications. A extremely energetic sativa may have a reverse effect and actually calm that same person down. On the farming side of things, on the cultivating side of things, it seems to me that farmers and cultivators probably have a pretty good sense about terpenes and the role that they play and how they're cultivating their strain. Are they ahead of us and we're just catching up? I think it comes down to essentially cultivars. So growers are looking at the industry from a slightly different Yeah, and explain that to me, a cultivar. A cultivar, so essentially a cultivar, if, or if we want to get technical, a chemovar is essentially a unique uh, congregation of different terpenes in a given strain. And that varies from cultivation methods, terroir, if, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm -hmm. I think so, right, in the wine world, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And um, these, these unique cultivars definitely play a role in terpenes, since the cultivator is essentially going through cultivars, whereas we're kind of deeming them chemovars mm -hmm. in a medical sense, in that it's kind of um, specific formulations. How long would it take a cultivator or a farmer to come up with a new strain if they're trying to do something that's more terpene specific? Any idea? That can be a really long and laborious process. <laughs> <laughs> okay. there's, there's generational farmers that have been working with specific lines for 10, 20 years or more. And so if you were to take something, take a specific terpene, say myrcene, for example, mm -hmm. and you wanted to breed a specific cultivar that had exceptionally high amounts of myrcene, that could take years, if not decades, to narrow it down and also stabilize that line of genetics. On the subject of myrcene for a little bit, can you talk to me a little bit about what its general effects may be? Is it a relaxing thing, which sounds like what I'm hearing, or is it more of a stimulant, or, or just tell me a little bit about that particular terpene. Myrcene specifically is a really interesting terpene in that in certain instances it can have what's called biphasic effects, 
And that means in small amounts, it will have more of a uplifting, energizing effect. And then in larger amounts, more of that sedating, full body relaxation. Really? Mm-hmm. So you as the patient, I would think, would need to experiment a little bit to find out where that line is for what you're looking for. Exactly. Right? Not only do terpenes play a role, but of course dosing, how much someone's ingesting, smoking, or eating of a, of a given strain or product. When you're going down this road, I think people need to be open-minded and be willing to do some experimentation. I mean, I'm still doing that, right? I'm mm-hmm. still experimenting Absolutely. with different strains. Of course, that's part of the fun in some ways to find out what may work best for your body. But that's that, that's what I'm hearing is that it's we're giving we're giving patients permission to experiment with different terpenes. Absolutely. And I, I think that whenever you go into a dispensary, it should be sort of a, a fun experience. You should be enjoying looking around, seeing the different products and kind of um, essentially tailoring your, your experience to your own personal needs and wants. That leads into my next question of mm-hmm. how can people find out when they go into a, a dispensary, how can they find out what terpenes are in the strain that they're thinking about purchasing? What are their options? Ooh, this is a bit of a loaded question. Oh, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would say... Actually, I'm not. <laughs> if, if someone really wants to know exactly what is in the product that they're looking for, I'd recommend asking for a, a COA, Certificate of Analysis, and essentially... From that, the lab, Exactly, right? exactly. And um, just for the dispensary's sake, I'd also say call ahead uh, if you have questions about specific products. That way they can have that information on hand by the time that you reach the dispensary and just makes the entire process a lot smoother. Within your role here, do you help train bud tenders? So if someone were to call ahead, if that call didn't come to you about specifically about terpenes, do you work with the bud tenders here um, in any type of educational format, formal or informal? Absolutely. Uh, as of right now, I'm not doing any formal education, but definitely informal, just um, walking around the shop, talking about specific products and kind of uh, passing along whatever information I've come across to the people around me so that either the customers or other staff members can have the highest quality information that's out there. We talked just a little bit about um, if a patient wanted to find out the terpenes and in particular flower strain. On the oil and concentrate and, and distillate side of things, I would assume it's the same process of calling ahead, like if you want a particular vape, mm-hmm. for example, of calling ahead to find out, hey, do you know what's in this particular, what's, what's the terpene profile within this brand X? Yeah, absolutely call ahead. The... The terpene profiles definitely range a little bit between flower and concentrates. Concentrates tend to be much higher in the terpenes and all of the active compounds in general. Um, Some brands are currently putting terpene testing directly on their flower boxes, but that's not necessarily the industry standard. So if someone does want to find out about specific terpenes, uh, another great tool is Leafly. They have a full strain bank you can go through there, and about half of them actually do list testing and terpene profiles for some of those flower cultivars. Oh, that's good. So leafly.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Following up on the oils and concentrate side of things, uh, 
can companies control the terpene profile within that oil or distillate? I mean, I would assume you can, but is that something that you're seeing companies are starting to pay more attention to? There's definitely some companies that are um, adding terpenes into their concentrate or tincture mixes, and that can be a plus or a minus depending on how you look at it. From a strain-specific, essentially true-to-the-plant perspective, Mm -hmm. you're essentially messing with the chemical composition of a plant that may may already have the correct terpene ratios for uh, the the given effect. Mm -hmm. Right. But from the other perspective, by adding terpenes into a specific product, you may have more consistency across the board. So there's not as much variance between THC, CBD ratios, and terpene profiles in a specific product. If it's something that's supposed to be more calming, um, it's not going to work very well if the calming terpene, like linalool, isn't naturally present in that product or uh, strain. And, and what does linalool do? I mean, as a terpene, what is it, how does it affect people? Linalool specifically, it's naturally found in lavender, and everybody and their mother loves lavender for the calming anti-anxiety effects and kind of sedating sleep effects mm-hmm. that it may induce. Yeah, my, my wife uses a lavender essential oil at night. Mm-hmm. And so that, that one specifically has anti-anxiety effects and very much a calming, relaxing effect to uh, most people. Going back to your list, let's let's walk through. We've talked about mercine a little bit. We've mm-hmm. talked about linalool. Let's talk about some of the other ones and some of the effects that, that uh, they may provide. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so we've talked about mercine. We've talked about a little bit about linalool. Mm-hmm. Uh, limonene would be another one that's commonly found in OG Kush's, OG strains, lots of limonene, pinene, and sometimes with more of the uplifting sativas like Jack Herer and other strains along those lines. Limonene specifically has antibacterial and antimicrobial effects. It may also be a mood booster. So for someone that struggles with depression, um, may look for a cultivar or product that's higher in limonene or just the the citrus aromas in general. I was gonna ask, I mean, based on that name, limonene, you would assume that it has a citrus kind Mm -hmm. of thing and and I'm I'm hearing that that's correct. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So limonene found in all different citrus plants and some that aren't citrus has a very distinct um, uplifting euphoric like effect, definitely a potent mood booster and uh, some very potent antimicrobial, antibacterial properties to it as well. And what about pining? Pining is a really interesting one. You talk about people going up into the mountains and breathing the fresh air, you know, taking a really deep breath. Pining actually is a bronchodilator. So for people that struggle with asthma. Yeah, I did. Is childhood asthma. Yeah. Opens up the airways, allows them to breathe a little easier. And it's also a terpene that's beneficial for short, short-term memory, actually increased cognition. And so I'm curious, with, with these different terpenes, it's like, okay, pining, you would expect that it came from pine trees. Mm-hmm. So how do these terpenes get into cannabis i mean i know they're naturally forming but i don't know there's just seems to be a disconnect of oh it's it smells like a pine tree but it's in (laughs) cannabis so how what (laughs) so these terpenes are found in all kinds of different botanical sources uh, in nature but as to how they are 
how so many of them are naturally occurring in the cannabis plant, a single plant, it's still not really known how a single plant can produce 200 plus different terpenes. And with, with a given plant, there's still a vast majority, a lot of different compounds, terpenes, triterpenes. Um, but there's very few plants and cannabis seems to be one of those exceptions that's able to manufacture and create a wide berth of different terpenes and uh, therapeutic compounds. So in other words, it's an amazing plant. It really is. And we're still trying to figure it out. Exactly. What about beta caryophylline? Did I get that right? Uh, beta caryophylline. Oh, I was close. Or caryophylline. It's kind of like tomato, tomato. Okay, good. I don't feel as bad. Um, So let's talk about what are the main benefits of that terpene. That terpene is, as far as I'm aware, the only terpene that binds directly to a cannabinoid receptor, the CB2. And that's commonly found in your GI tract and whatnot. And so the terpene itself has natural... um, endocannabinoid stimulating effects. Essentially, it can modulate inflammatory levels. Um, It also has a very sharp kind of peppery, uh, hashy smell to it, and tends to be one of the more popular terpenes that people look for. So going out on a limb here, if it has kind of a peppery smell, is that something that is actually found in black pepper? It is. Oh, I'm a genius. It is. Black pepper, cloves, (laughs) cinnamon. Sorry. Oh, cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I put cinnamon in my coffee every morning. So okay. Perfect. That's good. Getting some beta-caryophylline right there. There you go. It's a good way to start the day. Now, did we cover the, the major ones that, that we wanted to talk about today? Did I, I, I'm going through. I think we covered them all. I just want to I make sure. I think so. There was one other yeah. I might want to mention, yeah, and please. that's terpinaline. And that's, I mean, I, I feel like I could talk about different terpenes all day because sure, they absolutely. all have such unique uh, therapeutic effects to them but terpinaline specifically is kind of an in-between of pinene myrcene and caryophylline so it has a sweet woodsy aroma commonly found in conifer trees and whatnot and it tends to be a terpene that at least from my experience from what i've seen it's like it's polarizing people either love it or they hate it and it's uh, two strains that I can name off the top of my head that contain that is Afghani Bull Rider and Durban Poison. And those two are also on the opposite spectrum. Afghani Bull Rider, very heavy, heavily sedating indica, and Durban Poison, very mentally stimulating, uplifting, and creative sativa. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And see, that's what I love about, again, the complexity and how we're just beginning to you know get this figured out. I mean, I know there's been a lot of research done in Israel, but... America has a lot of catching up to do. Absolutely. Um, which is the terpene that is found in hops that are made in that are used in beer? That would be humulene. And, and what, what are those characteristics? I mean, I would assume it's relaxing. Relaxing, very very uh, similar to myrcene in the okay. effects, and that it's definitely a relaxing, sedating terpene. People tend to look for that with more of the the earthy. Um, OG kind of smells. Yeah, it's definitely something that I am not as well versed in, although mm-hmm. I, I think I should be. But also, yeah, relaxing, sedating properties. I believe antimicrobial as well. Okay. 
and which makes since, sense since sure, you did sure. mention hops hops is also the closest relative to the cannabis plant really mm-hmm. oh, i didn't know that with the endocannabinoid system what is the relationship between the terpene content the thc content and the cbd i mean i would think they all play a role in the overall effects but but Wes, can you just tell me a little bit about that interaction and how they affect each other? Absolutely. Uh, obviously, this is a topic that warrants much greater research because we're, we're definitely still in the infancy and in seeing how terpenes and cannabinoids interact, mm-hmm. let alone what they do once they're inside the human body. And so terpenes specifically will modulate uh, the blood-brain barrier and specific enzymes in the human body. And so that's going to either inhibit or kind of enhance uh, certain cannabinoids effects and the effects that other terpenes play in that. That kind of leads into my next question. What research would you like to see happening in the terpene world? I would honestly love to see both from a macro and a micro scale how terpenes and cannabinoids are interacting in the human body which I know is an extremely hard topic to also research because there's so many different compounds and players um, in that whole that whole entourage effect. Well, exactly. I mean, what were the last count I saw was like 144 different cannabinoids that we've exactly. identified so far, right? That doesn't mean that's it. But it just seems to me that that combination could be endless. Mm-hmm. There, there actually is quite a bit of research on individual terpenes from the aromatherapy world. People have been using terpenes, essential oils, and oh, sure. plants in Which general. Which makes perfect for, sense, right. For right. thousands of years, really. And um, there's, there's plenty of scientific studies on the, both the biological effects and the, uh, the psychological effects on both humans and mice. I'd like to ask you one more question about um, the Tricom Institute. Mm-hmm. Is this something that's open to the general public, or is this more geared for people that are thinking about working as a professional in, in the cannabis community, or is it just something people might enjoy taking? I would say all of the above. They do a fantastic way of outlining all the information in a digestible but also an advanced way so if you want to dive really deep into the information they they allow you to do so or if you just want to learn about the the basics what's what are trichomes what are terpenes and what would be considered high quality or good quality flour so it, it really caters to both business professionals, people that want to work in the cannabis industry, and the general consumer, the someone that just wants a little extra information. Excellent. So where can people find Cannabis Works online? Cannabis Works, we, we're on Leafly, Weed Maps. We have our own website, CannabisWorks.com. We also have two different Instagram pages, kworks.oc and wellness works ca and both of those are definitely geared towards the health and wellness aspects of cannabis and uh, definitely kind of pushing the envelope in activism for the cannabis industry and really bringing the whole community together and we'll put all those links in the show notes um 
Thank you so much for taking time to, to educate me about Terpenes West. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, this is the first episode in a series of Terpenes um, topics that I want to start exploring, again, as a way for me to learn more and for people listening to the show to learn more as well, because you mentioned it, we're just in the beginning mm-hmm. of all this, and I think the more you can educate yourself about what works best, in the end, that's, that's gonna work out the best for you. Absolutely, and it's truly a pleasure to be on the podcast today. It's an amazing thing to be able to share all of this this information with the public and really just getting education, high-quality education out there for all the listeners and everyone that's, that's interested in this, this amazing plant. Thank you for listening to Cannabis for the Rest of Us. Please subscribe and help us grow. Check out our show notes for more information about this podcast, Got a Story Media, and our sponsor, Three Wells. You can find us at gotastory.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-S-T-O-R-Y dot com.